0: Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with someone fascinating to learn more about their life, career and the eight beauty products they take with if they were cast away to a remote desert island that have special meaning or memories for them. This time I'm talking to beauty journalist and editor Kelly Baker. This is actually part two of our conversation, so if you haven't already, I highly recommend scrolling down a little further and listening to part one, where Kelly and I talk about the cutthroat world of news, her time at magazines like New Idea, the reason the fashion world is way bitchier than the beauty world, and the current state of the magazine industry. If you have already listened, I'll stop babbling and let you enjoy the rest of our chat. Enjoy. And moving on from makeup. One article that I really enjoyed on the Beauty Insider was you talking about Botox and fillers because obviously that's something that we're seeing huge growth in in people getting at the moment and in the market. In the article, you were really quite open about, you first tried it, I think it was when you were at Australian Women's Weekly. Yes. Um, Generally, are you open about talking about what, what you use and what you try. I tell everybody everything.
1: <laughs> everybody. I mean, I should know that from this conversation so far. <laughs> people, people are like, "Oh God, you can't tell people that." And I just think, well, look, my personality is probably a bit like that anyway. So I can pretend that I'm doing it for you know valid reasons and I'm being so brave and putting myself out there. But I'm actually just a bit like that on the whole. But I do believe that if you're um, if you look a certain way. It, it makes other women feel badly if they think that, that you're doing something that they're not. So if you meet women who are 50 and 55 and they look at you and you don't have a line on your face or your skin's perfect, you know, as as much as it can be, then I feel like I'm actually letting people down if I pretend that it's because I use Nivea at night. And I mean, yeah, sure, that's great. But no cream, there's not a cream in the world that can stop you from actually growing up. You're going to grow up. That's all there is to it. So if you prefer to actually fight it as much as you want to, then that's going to take Botox and fillers or laser and treatments and, or a mix of all of the above or anything like that. I think I have a girlfriend who I saw this week. Oh, actually, do you, do you know Adriana, um, who's the beauty director of New Idea? So she, she's the beauty director at New Idea and who? She's 50. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And she is, um, I think, perhaps Czechoslovakian background or somewhere of that area. So she's blessed in that she's got good skin. Good jeans, yeah. Unlike us white Australians. <laughs> so she's got that up her sleeve. But um, she's never used Botox. And I was a bit shocked by that. Because women, I think particularly in the beauty industry, I don't know anybody who hasn't at least tried it. Interesting. Yeah. So she's never tried it. And, um, you know, she's she has uh, a couple of lines across her forehead, perhaps something very minor. She looks like an adult woman. She doesn't look 50. She looks m- maybe 40. So she she's doing very well. But I actually find that really reassuring to look at someone who is an adult woman, who is using nothing but is very beautiful and then I feel kind of like I'm doing okay. (laughs) But if you look at somebody who looks like they're 25 and they're actually 45 and they tell you that they just stay out of the sun, then it can be a bit confronting. You feel badly about yourself. So I don't want to do that to anyone.
0: And I think it's interesting as well because obviously it's something that, I mean, when you're working in beauty, you do get lots of opportunities to try things. So maybe people in the industry are probably more likely to have Botox. But I think even the last few years, I know so many people in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s. Do you think more people are getting it because the stigma is reducing or are we better, just better at kind of seeing the signs of it? Yes,
1: I think um, the stigma is definitely reduced. I would like to take credit for that entirely. That's completely due to me. Um, no, I think the stigma is very much reduced. I remember being at a function maybe five years ago with other beauty editors and one of them, and uh, who's a very well-known beauty editor, and I was saying, oh, what'd you do here? You've got some bruises. And she was like, oh, shoot. Sh- sh-. And I thought, oh, well, we, we've all got those. Bru- like, calm <laughs> down. You know, everybody's got those bruises. And she'd had some fillers and someone had been a little bit clumsy or something had gone wrong. And she had some bruising around her face. But I don't know that she would respond that way now. I think she'd just be like, "Oh, your needles," and we'd all go, "Yeah, good." Anyway, pass me the salt. <laughs> like nobody, nobody cares. But I think, and I think that's awesome. I think there shouldn't be any stigma. Um, I do worry in the wrong hands that people will be encouraged to have treatments that they neither need nor even want. And I think the way that you look is just such a, a, a an easy way to manipulate people or to tap into their insecurities. So I think it's really important that um, the wrong people aren't saying, yes, yes, you need this. I think if you're with the right person and they say, yeah, it's a good idea, then, that, then I would listen. But be very careful about who you go and see would be my yeah. advice, I suppose. And just because your friend's getting it doesn't mean you need to. But you know what it's like when you're a young woman, you're just deeply insecure about how you appear often not everybody but often and when someone says to you oh you know your nose is a little bit (laughs) masculine you go what (laughs) yeah you can't unsee those things things. you've never heard never ever even thought of and then you're booking yourself in for surgery because you're just like I have a masculine nose I did not know that (laughs) so you've got to be kind of careful about what you hear and what you take on board
0: and I absolutely agree with you I think if you want to do it go and do it if you don't want to do it that's also great but one thing that does worry me even at my age and i have a younger sister as well is the growing number of people who are 18 19 getting preventative i'm saying that with the banning is preventative botox and fillers and not being upfront about having it
1: yes i think there's no such thing as preventative filler for starters like what are you preventing by getting filler like I'm sorry, you just made your mouth twice the size that it was before. (laughs) You're not preventing anything except perhaps being taken seriously. Um, Botox is preventative, but you don't need it. I mean, of course it's preventative because it freezes your face. But that's not a natural thing. You're preventing aging and you're going to age. There's just, unless you die, Unless you die when you're 27 and you're all wonderful and beautiful and fabulous, and that's how you stay, you will age, and actually that's not a bad thing. I read this story the other day about Carl um, Stefanovic's former wife, Cassandra. Now he's remarrying, of course, and his um, fiance I think is like 34 or something, very young compared to Cassandra, who is 48. And she, this whole social media <laughs> craziness, she she'd copped this online trolling and one of the the most brutal things that people were saying about her was that she looks her age and she was saying she responded and said i'm sorry but since when did looking your age become An an insult yeah i look my age i am my age what is your problem so i think that is a very scary idea where suddenly you you can't be older than 34 and if you look older than 34, there's something, you're doing something terribly wrong. But oh, that's a very strange mentality. It's not everywhere. If you talk to other grown up women, the grown up women are actually laughing at that sort of mentality. But it's around a lot, which is a bit disturbing if you're 25 and you're thinking, oh my God, I've peaked. <laughs> this is <laughs> it. From here. I've peaked. Like, that's a scary place to be when you're 25 years old and you're thinking, this is it for me. I've got nine months before I turn 26 (laughs) and it's all over. I've got to make it happen. Like, that's not cool. And it's not true either. It's absolutely not true. So that's a a message that I think young women need to know. You've definitely not peaked. Trust me on that one. There's a lot of peaks to come.
0: Now, another product on your list will definitely come in handy when you're cast off to Beauty Island, which is a sunscreen from La Roche-Posay.
1: Oh, yeah, I love that range. Really genuinely do. It's The quality is amazing. The quality is amazing and the price is pretty reasonable. It's pretty kind of mid-range. But um, it's got amazing research behind it in terms of sensitive skin. So I don't have sensitive skin per se. Most people don't, even though they think they do. Um, most people have sensitized skin, which means that it's reacting to something and reactionary. I used to have skin like a house brick, but now, now I have sensitized skin because I've worked in this industry and everything that comes past me, I'm like, oh, I'll put that on my face <laughs> and try it. So my skin is quite reactive. I find that that is really soothing and um, gentle and the texture is always amazing. So no matter what they produce, it, uh, it absorbs really nicely. It absorbs quickly, feels good on your skin and it's French. So you can say La Roche-Posay <laughs> and sound, sound fancy. very fancy. It is a good range though, really good.
0: Now you mentioned before, obviously working in beauty, one of the, um, the perks of one of the many perks is obviously access to products, events and incredible trips. Mm. What are some of the standout ones that you've been on?
1: Oh, gosh. It's so interesting to me because when I was working online, someone said to me, wow, I can give you a ticket to see Le Cirque de Soleil. And I was like, oh, my God, 10 years ago, someone would have flown me five-star business class to Paris to be in Cirque (laughs) de Soleil. I'd have been in it, okay? So thank you for your trip to Homebush or whatever it is. But, no, um, you get very spoiled. So I'm just trying to think. I went to New York with – estee lauder at one point i did go to singapore business class for for, a blow-dry for a blow-dry i told that story to someone recently and it was a very noisy room and when i was saying and i went there for a blow-dry and she was like what (laughs) and i was like no no i didn't say that i said blow-dry it was hilarious went for a long time a very big gag where she thought i went for a sexual (laughs) sexual exchange i was like no no a blow-dry it was a blow-dry it's fun And, um, you know, there's all those crazy things where you're swimming with dolphins or doing something nutty. I have to admit though, at the weekly, I missed out on a lot of trips that uh, were offered to me regularly because I just had too much work to do. And I think I was one of the very few, I was actually the only, as far as I'm aware, beauty director, I was a beauty and health director who didn't have um, a beauty editor under me or a beauty assistant. So I was the only one. At all other magazines, there was a team. But because I come from a a fairly um, extensive background, they were like, ah, you can do it. So I just had to do it all myself, which was great. But it meant that I couldn't go on all the fancy trips. But I did go to quite a few. I'm trying to remember where else. Yeah, look, I've been to some pretty incredible events and pretty amazing locations where I've just thought, there's just no way in the world, in my life, I'm ever going to be able to pay for these sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, It's really funny how um, amusingly um, above it you get. I do remember being at some event and they they came to pick us up with a van and we were like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do vans. And we were finding ourselves very funny kind of being like that. And yet I think there was actually a kernel of seriousness. I was like, I'm not getting into that. (laughs) And I went to Thailand once for something. And I said, no, 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 I only fly business. So they were like, what? Well, we're only flying everyone economy. And I was like, well, I'm not coming. So I'm flying business or I'm not coming. I don't care. So it's business. So they flew me on a separate plane to everyone else <laughs> because everyone else was flying economy, and I they didn't want me up the front of the plane. So then when I got there, everybody was like, "Where'd you come from?" And I said, "Oh, I just came a bit later." Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't want to say I wasn't riding in the back of the plane with you schmoes <laughs> up the front for me. So yeah, it was very fancy in its day, and it had um, it had some you had some power back then. Not that you'd be kind of throwing it around in – I just thought I've got children and a life. If I go to Thailand or wherever for two minutes and have a heavily scheduled trip and then have to fly back, it's just going to take me a week to get over it. And I don't mind if you send someone else, but if you want me, I'm coming business. Those days are over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those days are well and truly gone. Now,
0: one other thing that you have also written about a lot online, particularly for Nine and Nine Honey – um is about parenting yes um because you hosted the nine podcast super mums and you have two sons and one of the things that i think about writing online as a parent is and particularly with mums i don't know if the backlash is so big on dads mums cannot do anything right if you do one thing mm. you've got half the people summing you for doing that yeah and the other way is that does that ever concern you when you you think about what you're writing about
1: I think charity. when you're a woman, you can't do anything right. So let's just quantify that. Yeah. So if you're a woman, then you're wrong, pure and simple. I think if you're a woman who has the audacity to raise children and talk about it, oh my God, that's very wrong. But I do think that, um, God, there should be some kind of intelligence test before people are allowed online. <laughs> really? Like what were you people doing before there was the internet? That's the Sending thing. Letters in. That's the thing. It's like they didn't have the the wherewithal or the time or the effort to it. They were probably just having a drink, quiet drink down at the hotel or getting together with their friends and bitching there. But when they've got access to, to the internet, I wrote a story about how I was shopping at Aldi and they called me a slut. And I just thought, that's a long – you're drawing a long <laughs> bow there. I don't know how I'm a modern-day slut because I'm shopping at Aldi. But okay, good for you. Does that make you feel good? I do find it extraordinary um, that kind of trial by me, trial by social media – that yeah. social media ganging up is just – it's a really interesting phenomenon to me. A, because what's driving you? Like what 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 is up with your life where you're so angry, so livid, so infuriated by breathing that you need to kind of just attack people? I find the actual drive really interesting. And then I find the idea that uh, – what why What is it that makes you think that there's not someone at the other end because there's someone at the other end? that's the thing is like do you not understand that when you're trolling someone you're probably hurting them quite significantly, but secondly you're you're being manipulated are you Are you not aware that you're actually doing what they want? When you do all of, like, I just want to write underneath. Thanks for the clicks, bitches, because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. do. Do you not understand that Indeed. I just wrote something to make you crazy? You got crazy. You clicked on the story. I made some money. Now they're going to get me to write something else. Nice work. <laughs> like don't like, like use your brain. Yep. For God's sake, you are falling into. You're being manipulated. Don't take the bait.
0: Now another product that you've got on your list is uh, fake tan from Saint
1: yeah, I What's love Saint Story? Tropez. Well, for me, really, fake tan I discovered when I was about fifteen. And when I was about fifteen, it was like um, people used it to go in their physical culture competitions, and um, it really smelled bad, and it was orange, and it rubbed off on all your clothes. I mean, it was just a disaster. So for me, I'm really, um, I'm really fond of fake tan in the the sort of premise of it, and I'm stunned by the evolution of it. It is. Astonishing the things that they can do with that stuff. So, we were at the Priceline event yesterday. I don't know if you we went to the Saint Tropez little booth, yes. but they had a product which I've not tried before, which is clear. This is
0: the foaming water, foaming water channels. Yeah, and something. it
1: goes on clear and then it dries, and then you can sleep on your white sheets and your golden brown, and uh, it doesn't come off on the sheets, and you don't have skin cancer. And it didn't even take six weeks of laying on the sand. I just find that amazing. It's yep. really mind-blowing to me that, that they can cut out that whole sort of culture of sunbaking. You can just get rid of that now. And, uh, uh, and we should, and I wish everyone would. But it is amazing. It's awful that in Australia you're predominantly regarded as looking good if you've got a tan and that we've got this sort of very mixed-up premise that, that, that you're healthy you've got that sort of deep psychology where you see someone who's golden tanned and you immediately think zest and energy which is of course not true but if you cannot be exposed to the sun and have that same sort of look I just think that's amazing and your Saint-Tropez always good no matter what they bring out you'll find a favorite but they're always like all of their stuff is incredible
0: so do you obviously we're coming up to summer now are you a a Constant fake Hannah, or just no, for special occasion? No, because I'm
1: lazy. Actually, no, I'm really busy. I should do. I have spent far too much time in the sun in my life and um, I'm already now getting um, BCCs, which is a like basal cell carcinoma, cut out. I've had one cut out here. I've got to have one cut out here. So Sorry, I'm pointing to my shoulders. I forget. Um, no, one no one can here. see you. I've got one here and here. No, on my shoulders. Um, and I've got lots of sun damage, really bad sun damage. So I grew up on the beach and that's just what you did. You just ran around in the sun all day long, every single day. So if that can be prevented, I think that's awesome. If I have any time, then I will put on some tan. I think it's, I really like the idea. Love the idea. I don't lay out in the sun or anything like that anymore. So um, yeah, if I get a moment that will i will certainly be doing that i once when i when i worked um at the weekly i had a saint tropez vip card Ooh. which meant that you could get as many photons as you wanted like the actual spray legit ones, professional ones professional ones um as many as you wanted at any time you wanted and there was a spa downstairs so 54 park was a massive very glamorous meant to be a gym but it was really just a swank place to get your tans and i was in the building and do you want to know how many i got in that one year how many none what a waste that's how friggin' busy i am in the building (laughs) all i had to do was go downstairs but i just did not have the time ever to go down there it was such a shame but, yeah, I just don't have time. But I love the idea. When I go to this magical island that you're sending you me all, to. have nothing but time. All the time in the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and just a bit of background for anyone who doesn't know what 54 Park Street means. It's kind of like the beacon of Australian magazines. Isn't it, it certainly was. was.
1: 54 Park is uh, where all the very glamorous magazines were housed. So, you know, you had Elle and Harper's and Madison and Women's Weekly, Women's Day. Then you had all your entertainment mags, your TV Week and Who Weekly. No, sorry, not Who Weekly. That's specific. New Weekly and uh, Shop To You Drop. And just, it was like uh, the devil wears Prada in Sydney, basically, you <laughs> know, like, in, 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 in many ways or, Oh yeah. Yeah. It was in its day. Definitely. I've never, you know, I've never seen that. I've never, ever seen it. I've read the book, but my girlfriends would always say, Oh, you must watch it. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm freaking living it every single day. <laughs> that would be like going to work and coming home and then switching on work. I don't want to see that. <laughs> so yeah, there is a lot of that, that sort of, but yeah, that, that was, that was very glamorous. 54 park. And there was a gym, there still is, a gym downstairs. And its, it's name was actually 54 Park. And it was the most – have you ever been in there? I have, yes. Yeah, the most glamorous supposed gym you've ever seen in your life. So, you know, this little beautiful big crystal blue pool. And it was really just a place – they supplied all the white fluffy towels <laughs> and, the, and the robes and, and it was pretty astonishing – and a lot of editors there had their own dressing rooms and everything was, was very high end. You'd go running and you'd accidentally be standing next to your publisher it was very <laughs> going, I ha- I'm working, I, I'm working. I'm just having a little break. But um, yeah, it was a very glamorous sort of gym where I never got a tan ever.
0: Now another one that may also come in handy on the island, actually, Moroccan
1: oil. Oh, yeah, I love it. What, I absolutely. What is love it that it. you love about it? My hair is really frizzy, really curly, and big. I have a lot of it, and um, I just chuck it in after I've washed my hair. So that's always good. It just I I don't do anything much with my hair, so I just wash it. I put that in and run it through with my hands, and then I shove my hair in a knot, and that's pretty much all I ever do. Sorry, go no, ahead. Yeah,
0: so just as we we're recording this, we have Kelly's beautiful dog, Cash. Cash. Peering through the window. I know, us wagging. He's wagging going his
1: going. tail so hard that his whole body's going. <laughs> There's another dog out there, but he's too small to get up to the window. <laughs> Poor bugger. Anyway, I just had to stop and go to the door to get um, some free things. Perfect. That were good. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Delivered at the door. I just had to get some free stuff from my front door. Okay, go ahead. Mar- Moroccan oil. Yes, Moroccan attending? oil. Yeah, I just I, I finger comb my hair with it, shove my hair into a knot, and that's it for me. And um, I try other things regularly. Nothing is ever as good on my hair, ever. So even um, I tried uh, some things that we got from the Priceline Expo yesterday. Beautiful products, really beautiful but I just don't get the same result as Moroccan oil. And uh, the thing with that is that you don't need to use very much. So it is quite spendy, but it lasts a long time. And I like as well that I can rub it on my skin when I'm done. So if I've got it on my hands, okay. then I could just kind of wipe it on my arms and then it feels quite nice.
0: You don't have, yeah, you're not wasting any no, Those products. No, no, it's good. Talking about parenting, you've also written um, one piece that I really loved was your piece about responses to... When women's partners go away and they say, oh, I'm single parenting this week, um, you quite your piece was quite impassioned about why that's, that's really not yes. true. Yes. Um, so You've you, done your research, haven't you? <laughs> so you are a single, were a single parent? I was, am a single uh, parent. Single yeah. parent? Yeah. And you, you're juggling your children's needs, your needs, yes. work, yes. general life. Free shit. stuff. Free Knocking stuff. at my door.
1: <laughs> Dogs wiggling in the windows. Yeah, it's intense. So when um, that story, and I didn't mean it. I hope it didn't sound um, really bitchy and kind of put no. upon. <laughs> Sorry, We've just caught Cash's attention <laughs> with that <laughs> dog. Just jumped you. in the window again. Um, I think that a lot of people they know they know that that it's it's not the same, and they don't really mean that. But I guess as a single mother, when you hear people be like, "Oh gosh, you know my husband's away, he's been away, he's away all the time," I might as well be a single mother. And I just think, no, no, because the it doesn't really matter how busy you are or how busy your husband or partner is. The problem it there is that you're missing the the main the main thing that really breaks you as a single parent. Oh look, now we've got the cat. <laughs> is that um, it's just you and that's not ending anytime soon. It is just you and it's always going to be just you. Hey, kitty. And it's not uh, that that is in your head. So I think that is the thing that is the that mainly brings you undone is that there's nobody coming. No, no, no one's coming to help you. If there's a fire in the middle of the night, it's on you. You will get those kids out of the house. You will save everybody. And if you don't, it will be your fault and there's nobody else to help you. So my um, younger son had uh, appendicitis, like emergency appendicitis, middle of the night. And you know, he's sobbing in the hallway and flopping around like a fish and screaming. And I'm thinking, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna have to take him to hospital. My other son's asleep. I have to wake him up, he's hysterical. Then I've got them in the car, one's dying, the other one's shrieking, saying, he's not breathing, he's not breathing. And I'm like, that's really not helpful. And, uh, it, you know, that is when when you think, don't be saying to me, my husband's very busy, I, I'm as single mother as you are. And I'm like, mm, no, nah. it's just a different thing. So, yeah, I guess that story was just that sort of, I don't think you really get it unless you've really done single parenting. And I guess that's partially where Mel and I, my former Honey Mums podcast host, where we really connect because she's a single mother as well. So I, do, I would hate to be, I don't believe I'm one of those kind of, oh, poor me and women and everyone else has got it great. And, you know, look, lots of people's marriages from the outside, it's all looking shiny and awesome and it's not, I get that. But you do have somebody to help you in a crisis. And I think as a single parent, you just might not have anybody to help you in a crisis. And I think that's the big difference.
0: What has the experience taught you? I mean, like given in that situation, like you can't fall to pieces, has it just kind of confirmed to you, not that you necessarily need confirmation, that you're like, I'm, I can do this by myself. I'm strong. I don't need. I
1: don't, I don't know. I think actually sometimes I think I can't, I can't do it by myself. I'm not strong. And, you know, you do have a lot of those voices in your head and those thoughts, but the, the fact is you just don't have a choice. So you either have to work out how to get support and actually try and reach out, which I'm not very good at. So if you... The, the support is actually there. The thing is kind of swallowing your pride or shame or whatever it might be and tapping into it. You have to get some support if you, if you possibly can. It's a bloody lonely kind of road. There are moments where you just think, this is a lonely road. So yeah, it's, it's an intense kind of feeling, I suppose. And I don't imagine there's too many people who are young and think, you know what, I think when I grow up, I'm going to marry someone and really be happy and then have them leave me and I'm going to be a single mother. It's going to be ace. I don't think anyone actually sets out for that. But I guess as well, the thing is, everybody's got their... Everyone's got something. So I think really what I would hope from that story is that everybody's just a little bit more understanding that other people's circumstances are probably better than yours in some ways and worse than yours in some ways. We've all kind of got something going on, I think.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Now, we've got um, just two products left on your list that Can you're I just taking.
1: jump in and say probably someone called me a slut for writing that story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because Some, obviously that makes yes, sense. Somebody would have gotten online and said, how dare you? Anyway, oh, actually, do you know what someone said? Don't you have a cashed-up boyfriend? Oh, <sighs> excuse me. I don't know you. And also, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> well, it's just
0: unfathomable. Someone, I know, I know. Things that people write. Yes.
1: So, another perfume,
0: this time from Chanel, is that right? Yes, this is. um, What's the story behind this one? Chanel
1: Gardenia, I also first stumbled across when I was very young, and it would have been driven by the same thing, me thinking that I was very sophisticated because I was wearing a Chanel fragrance. I do, I am mad for the smell of Gardenia, and I love when it starts to come out in the spring and in the summer, it feels like you know a whole new kind of start and I love that feeling it's like that when jasmine starts to, to bloom especially in Australia when you've got that smell of gardenia I lived um, in a house 20 years ago where the whole front yard was gardenia and it just really reminds me of all those moments I um, I have a couple of bottles of it still it's very very hard to come by they don't release it very often I'm not sure if it's available now I did have a bottle uh, which my mother smashed, which Mm. pissed me off no end. And she said, I'll replace that. And she never did. So um, the other thing with it, though, is that I wore it when I was married on my wedding day.
0: Was it wedding day fragrance? Yes.
1: And so I I have quite bittersweet sort of uh, memories around that now. Uh, obviously being divorced my ex-husband and I are very close so it's not that it's I smell it and I think I need to go (laughs) I need to go kill him but no I just you know it's a a very emotional fragrance for me I always have it in the house I very rarely put it on Mm. so it's just one of those ones that I just like to have around I don't know how I'd feel wearing it now probably make me feel a bit uneasy <laughs> but I do love it I love it it's a beautiful fragrance and also you know it's just that sort of spring new beginnings freshness to it it's lovely
0: before we go to your last product and we've kind of touched on this if you could go back and tell your 25 year old self a piece of advice whether it's about your career or relationship or life in general what kind of would you say with the experience and wisdom that you have now
1: It's so funny because I so badly want to say it's really bad. Everything's going to get worse. (laughs) It is bad. It's only going to get worse for you. Don't do it because everyone says such high and sort of, I think that. Wouldn't that be funny? I would love to do that. I want to say. You can say that. Life is going to get more fucked for you. (laughs) This is good right now. Suck it up. No, look, in all honesty, I would say he's not worth it. Okay? He's not. He's not, the next one's not, the one after that's probably not either. Okay, so just don't even worry about it. I once broke up with a boyfriend and I was devastated. I went to a girlfriend's house and I was sobbing. And I was saying, you know, we just broke up. And and she said, why are you crying? You didn't even like him. And I was like, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) And it just kind of snapped me out of it. So I would say to anyone who's 25, myself included, The anger, the angst and the emotion or the stress or the pain, if there is any of that right now, uh, will pass. And uh, then something wonderful will happen. And then something terrible will happen again. And you'll feel just as bad and it will also pass. And then something wonderful will happen. So I guess it's cyclical. Hopefully less of the unpleasant things occur and more of the magic occurs but if you're ever at that point where you're feeling really terrible it it does change it passes and things get better and and things get amazing actually and wonderful and you sort of have to go well once um i think it was it was actually it was Jane Ferguson who was uh, a publisher in magazines for a very long time i think she's just launched a content producing business I remember being in my very early 20s and I was saying to her, I would really like to have a baby at some point in my life and I worry that I won't get to. And she said, what have you ever wanted in your life that you haven't made happen? And I thought, oh, nothing. And she was like, well, there you go. So that's something I think you need to think about when you're 25. Like what so far have you decided that you wanted that you didn't get? And probably if you really wanted it, you'll make it happen. And you can, you have the power to do that. But it is easy to kind of get in those low points where you just think...
0: Just consume, yeah. It is all-consuming.
1: When things are bad, everything's bad, nothing's going to be good, and you'll never get over this. You'll never get over it. And then later you go, oh, my God, I can't believe I cried so much about that thing, whatever it was. I don't even care. And you won't. And some of those things will actually leave deep scars, and that's not such a bad thing. It's, It's not. And things will be... Uh, amazing, and they'll leave some marks as well. But it, it all works out in the end. Very wise words. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's all <laughs> Realistic, fucked. It all but... is really fucked. It's going downhill. This is the peak. You're peaking. Get some Botox. <laughs> Get some Botox now. Preventative. Um, and your final product
0: is another one from Dior.
1: What is it? I've forgotten. Oh, it's <laughs> the nail, nail polish. polish. Yeah. Oh, the that, that, uh Dior in Masai which is a very, very kind of rich, rich red. And I guess, look, now that I'm thinking about it, these are all the same. I've obviously chosen these things for the same reasons in that, to me, blood-red nails say grown-up, sort of sophisticated woman. And um, I still catch myself looking at other beauty editors, a lot of beauty editors where, I know Steffi Darling does and Adriana at New Idea where... um, it's a quite well-known... It's, it's almost a black. I've forgotten the name of it now. It's a shellac black, and they, a lot of them wear it. And it's very sophisticated and glamorous. So even now as an adult, I'm looking at them going, oh, I should wear that. That'll make, <laughs> that'll make me like them. But, yeah, I think it's that whole kind of, uh, you know, um, pencil skirt, high-heeled, red-nailed, sort of grown-up, chic woman effect. But I do like that Maasai shade. I do really like as well um, a shellac, like a gel nail. On my island, yes. I will have a gel nail polish, okay. I think. Because it just lasts forever. I don't understand why would you get anything but shellac now. I don't do it on my fingers because I, I don't um, wear a lot of polish on my fingers and I feel like it does damage my nails. But on my toenails, I just, why would you get a pedicure and not get a gel nail polish? Maybe it's because people just don't know about it yet. mm Crazy folk! It lasts forever. You can leave it on there until they grow out. That's what I do. It's there for six months. It's ugly, but it's still there.
0: It was obviously, I imagine, quite a hard decision narrowing down. You said you could have picked ten thousand products oh, could or something. Have. Yes, yes. I'm now going to ask you a harder question. If you could take just one of these products to the desert island, so not necessarily for practicality reasons, but just the one that you'd want to have on have be with the, you, be the
1: uh, gardenia, definitely yeah it's just because it's I've got a very strong memory um with my mother with it I have a very strong memory with my now ex-husband and getting married and also the actual scent in general very strong memory of spring and summer and being outdoors and that that's all deeply emotive for me so yeah I think that yeah it would be that
0: Thank you so much for talking to me today. It has been a blast. Thank literally. you. Um, and obviously I will put all the links to the, all the products that you've mentioned and also Beauty Insider and Instagram where everyone can find you. If yeah, they'd it'd be like wonderful. Thank more. you. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Beauty Island. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe if you haven't and recommend to a friend if you have. And if you fancy, leave a five-star rating or review. Beauty Island is a very small independent podcast and those things really help other people find us. I always love hearing your thoughts and feedback so you can find me on Instagram at BrittanyBeautyBTS or my email address is in the show notes as well as all the beauty products we've talked about today. Until next time, thank you and bye-bye.